0: the same hope comes in multiple different gift wrappings, but there is hope. And this is a part of our expression of what that looks like, especially in business, because a lot of people have thought about it wrong. So Fulfilled, let's talk about the book real quick. The, the title actually, the subtitle is A Passion Provision Strategy for Building a Company with More Profit, Purpose, and Legacy. We believe that if you're going to be intentional, you have to make the long The long distance. You've got to play the long game, and you're thinking even multi generational.
1: This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey, so a confession is I've never done a couple interview. Meaning, like you guys are the first, so don't mess this up. All right, uh,
2: no <laughs> so, pressure.
0: Sheesh. Catherine and Michael, welcome to the Betterwell Show.
2: Thank you, Caleb.
0: Thank you, Caleb. Auspicious beginning. We've never been interviewed by somebody under twenty-five. <laughs> hey, you know, someone
1: under twenty-five that looks like they're fifteen. It's a, it's a, it's a unique, uh, it's a unique value proposition. Uh, <laughs> guys, I've, I'm really looking forward to this because when we met in Denver, I, I don't even know like why we started talking, but we just, I, I think I. I think I, I was talking with you, Catherine. We were like, yeah. got into like marriage and relationship advice. So it was like, yeah. what is going on here? It's just yeah. like a business conference, but that's <laughs> why you guys are so special because you are raw, authentic. You've gone through an insane journey in mm-hmm. business and in life. Your book, "Fulfilled," is something that is like that message has never been more relevant. I love it, and so I want—I just want to get your guys's story what, what, like, uh, like the, cl- the best cliff notes, everyone watching this, I want them to read your book. Like yeah. what, what, what is it like about like that book is thick. There's some con- there's some pieces in there that I think are going to be so relevant. And then I just, I'm just excited to just hear more about your business. Cause I, I, I know just from talking to you a couple, a couple of times since yeah. Denver that you guys are just an incredible couple. So thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks me for having too. us.
0: And we have had a ball talking and getting to know you in Denver and the conversation you and I had a few weeks ago. Uh, I just, uh, I got off the phone. Well, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed <laughs> that a lot. So it's a pleasure. It's absolutely a pleasure. So uh, where do you, where would you like to start? On well, this? it's
1: funny. It's when I sit down with someone, I go, um, they're like, where do you, I'm like, tell me your story. And they're like, where do you want us to start? And I'm like, "Well." Uh, I was
2: born. so <laughs> long time quick, ago. Because
1: I know that's a, I know okay. that's a long deal. I want to talk about how fun. you guys met and your business because I think it needs to be explained a little bit. And then I want to talk with the rest about the book and the message because I want everyone that's listening to this to go get it and support you guys.
2: How so we met in, you're in sixty seconds. Do
1: the arc. i doing
2: the arc. Okay, the,
0: and add the immigration part.
2: I immigrated from the UK when I was seven years old to the States. My mom still lives there. So if you get me around somebody British, I automatically switch accents. Michael thinks he's married to two women and it's completely okay and he never gets in trouble. So that's good news. Um, I moved I moved to Southern California. Michael grew up in Northern California. And um, when I was 10, 11 years old, I moved to Chico, which is our hometown where we actually still live and are, are podcasting from now. We have... Been around a bit, but we're here now. Michael and I first met when I was in sixth grade and he was in fourth grade. In play, Uh, it was The Hobbit. Um, He had a bigger part than I, which was predictive of the fact that he has more words than I do, despite the fact that I'm chatting now. He has far more words.
0: I was Owen. Lola Weeby directed our. She was our my fourth grade teacher. She directed the whole thing. Yeah,
2: we didn't discover that actually till after we were married and found a poster. And I was like, I was in that. Why do you have it? He's like, I was in that. You know, one of those things were we don't remember. So we went through junior high, I was two years ahead of him. And then in high school, we became friends. We had a mutual best friend between us who was determined that we would be
0: friends. Eventually became our best man.
2: Yeah. Best man in our wedding. Um, It didn't go smoothly because I thought that Michael was a pretty bad human being and he thought that I was a pretty arrogant human being. I was a church girl. He, we, we used to say that he had his, he had his dirty laundry out on the front, front, lawn. Front, the front lawn for everyone to see and mine was just hidden in the closet. I had plenty of my own. I, just, I knew how to hide it. So long story short, we went through being friends finally. We, we hated each other for a little while and then we became friends. We were in um, a college ministry together and then um, we kind of separated ways. He went to Southern California, I stayed here and then we switched places. I went to seminary actually in Southern California got a master's degree. He was back in Northern California. Ultimately, we we reconnected at a wedding and um, the, wedding. the wedding it was in 1990 Oh boy! And yeah, 1991. And I, before you were
0: born, probably. Yeah, I was,
2: I was um, going to do the math,
1: born. but I, uh, yeah. I was going to spare you guys.
2: <laughs> now you're the same age as our daughter. So I know it was before you were born. So 1991, it was the fall. I, we reconnected and it was like love at first sight. It was instant. It was mutual. And all I could think to myself when I went to bed last night was it's Michael Kevin Redmond. What the hell is wrong with me? Right? Because this doesn't, like, in no world is he the guy I'm supposed to marry. I'm supposed to marry, like, a professor or someone yeah, like yeah. that because I'm about to finish my master's in New Testament theology, by golly, and this is not my guy. He's got dirty hands and, and I traveled I, he was, the world
0: unconventionally.
2: <laughs> he did. He was working.
0: He was working for a company
2: where he had to work on paint machines and his hands were stained with ink. Long story short, it was like, we just, our eyes were opened. It was sudden.
0: Love at it. Love love it it first sight after knowing each other for 10 years. Yeah. So I like felt that. love, got married, went into, uh, actually both went into church ministry and both were pastoring. Yep. And then after a short period of time, several years, um, life changed directions changed. And at 30 years old, I went back to college. Yep. And we then, had been
2: in Colorado Springs. So we'd been in the Bay Area and then Colorado Springs. And then when Michael went back to college, we moved back to Chico because at that point we had an 18-month old. We needed to be with family. I needed to go to work to support Michael through school. So it was like, let's go home. So we did.
0: Hmm. And we thought we would leave in four years. And we found out that there was this thing called the internet that had just started. <laughs> yeah and it was like crazy you <laughs> oh. could like do work with people all over the world and you could do it from here so we 2002 we started half a bubble out marketing and, and
1: explain to explain to us what that means because <laughs> it's pretty profound
0: so you probably got the real story from Catherine.
2: well so i'm going to tell the real story again okay because why wouldn't you um, well so we tell we tell people that we have barely met that half a bubble out is just like if you have the level the carpenter's level and and you're trying to hang a picture on the wall right you've got the level and if it's just slightly tilted it's the the bubble, the bubble in the middle is half out slightly yeah. off level which mm-hmm. is a great <laughs> way
0: of we, we the other thing we also tell people is it's a great way of saying a different way of saying out of the box right. we, out of the box thinking creativity look at the world from a fresh perspective so that's like, That's the market.
2: Yeah, so that's the marketing line. The story behind the story is that we had a mentor in college, and his name was Bob. When things were going slightly awry in Colorado Springs, um, through a long story that is for another time, we um, I called Bob and I just said, Bob, we don't know what to do. Our pastor had flamed out. Um, There was all kinds of chaos. They brought a new pastor on. The, The church was just it. was just was a really bad situation. And and I said, you know, we're thinking about putting Michael back in school. Mm -hmm. Um, We we don't know know where, but we're thinking about putting him back in college because he never finished his degree. What do you think? And Bob said to me, he said, well, Catherine, your husband is a half a bubble out. So if you want him to have the respect that he deserves, because he's a really smart guy, he's got a lot to offer. But if you just want to have him have the respect he deserves, you probably should just get the college degree out of the way. So we did. And then several years later, when we went to start the company, we're driving down I-25 from Denver to Colorado Springs to visit. And we were talking about the company and I said, I think we have to call it half a bubble out. It's horrible to say, but it, it will be memorable. And we did.
0: (laughs) And that was 18 years ago.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and by the way, it's memorable because I walked away from the conference that we all met and didn't quite remember your guys's name, but Mm -hmm. I knew what company you guys had. So it's just like, (laughs) that's how powerful your story was. I was like, I was like, dang, like, it is, it's super memorable. And so well, we've
2: been called half out the bubble, half a bubble off. Sometimes people will call me the quarter bubble that's in and he's the quarter bubble that's out. You know, we, we get a lot of play on it. It's super fun. I love funny. to
0: play with it, so, which is fun because <laughs> as long as they're playing with it and they're in a good mood, you know that you're doing something right. That's right. And what, in, in a nutshell, what's your business all about? So uh, it is, in a nutshell, we do marketing, consulting, services, and business development strategy. So. And, we, and in the midst of that, we, as the company has grown, which for companies that are listening now, your company will go through iterations and they'll go through growth spurts and it'll go through these tiers. We started out with marketing, added advertising, grew into, had always kind of embedded leadership development in it because we've been trained in it and then continued to grow. And then over time, what happened is the clients that were hiring us for marketing were getting, it turned out they were getting business consulting along the way and leadership development coaching. And so really it's this holistic approach that led us to, as we were developing it, led us to the book fulfilled and the whole passion provision strategy and model. We just, we experienced it. We were learning it. We were learning from lots of smart, great people who were mentors and pulling all these things together. And over the years, we were able to codify it, systematize it way more so we could talk about it and go, what is this thing that is out of the the ordinary and yet can incredibly fruitful. And it's nice when you can have a paycheck and there's a lot of peace. So you're like, okay, how do, you, how do you do this? And how do you build a business like that? And over time, it led us to fulfilled and passion provision strategy and, and what we do.
1: You know, I can relate a lot of what you're saying because at Better Wealth, yeah, we actually think outside the box or <laughs> right. half a bubble out. We could maybe have like a half a bubble out financial section. Right. You're part you of our tribe. <laughs> and yet, if you actually ask me, like we could jam about different financial strategies, but the holistic approach of saying, why? Why do you want to create certainty? Why do you want to have control? It's so that you can do X, Y, or Z. And we, I articulate that by living a more intentional life now and in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for me, if you don't have an intentional life, I don't care how much money you have, you're not
0: wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we would continue to add to that as you're developing and growing uh, as, as an adult, because we subscribe to the idea that all of us as adults, we don't just become an adult and we're done with growing. We've got a growing mindset, but we actually go through more developmental levels as we get older, just like we did when we were kids and when we did when we were teenagers. It doesn't stop for most people. For some leaders, they just stop leading. They stop growing, so they don't. But you have this idea of, I want to be intentional, but I also want to be intentional in those places. That's my sweet spot. And it doesn't mean you don't need minimum competencies in a lot of areas to run a business you do, but if you can continue to figure out what your why is, what what your gifts, talents, and skills do and how they come together in your unique sweet spot where you were kind of designed for that place. And it's not just one thing. It could be multiple things, but if you stay within that circle, then you live intentionally there, combine that with intentionality and you go the farthest with the least amount of energy and the least amount of friction
1: i love that and, and intentionality is actually my word for 2020 so with, with that <laughs> let's go into your book talk about why you came up with the title and actually like guys it's this is a meaty book so like go into like some of the <laughs> concepts of like break this thing down because i think you killed it with the title oh thank you while we're recording this by the way we are in a a world crisis Mm. and we were taught like the suicide hotlines are going off the like just going crazy. I, this is just a side note, but like in doing Google analytics, if you, the number one search for life insurance right now is, is does life insurance pay out if you commit suicide? Like that breaks my heart. I'm like, so, so in a world where there's just total chaos you guys are coming out with a book called Fulfilled. What what interesting timing, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, one that we couldn't plan at all. Yeah, we didn't. We, there was no world crisis of this magnitude when we started the book, so it is really interesting timing. We really debated like, is it an okay time to come out with this, or does it feel weird? Um,
0: yeah, we went back to the. I mean, even though we had the date planned and everything else, it was movable. It yeah. wasn't concrete, and we really talked a lot about that and with our publishers about what would it look like to to push it forward and as we just kept seeking we have we believe in getting wise counsel. We believe in having advisors and we have multiple and multiple uh, arenas and people that we just trust. And so we just started putting the feelers out, not only with our publishers, but with those folks. And we just kept getting a unanimous this now's the, the time. time. So because we didn't want to be offen- we didn't want to be offensive. We didn't want to be, as yeah, some people said, tone deaf in this market. <laughs> Um, but we want to bring that there is a, there is hope. The same hope comes in multiple different gift wrappings, but there is hope. And this is a part of our expression of what that looks like, especially in business, because a lot of people have thought about it wrong. So Fulfilled, let's talk about the book real quick. The, the title actually, the subtitle is A Passion Provision Strategy for Building a Company with More Profit, Purpose, and Legacy. We believe that if you're going to be intentional, you have to make the long the long distance, you've got to play the long game and you're thinking even multi-generational, but you've got to play the long game. And if you're doing that, you're thinking about how you're going to make the world a better place, not just your pocket, not just your family, not just your weekends, but how can you figure out that sweet zone where you're living into your purpose and you're leaving a legacy that matters and improves the life of other people and the quality of life. And for us even improves our relationship with, with God.
2: So for us, if we go kind of all the way back to like where this concept came from, um, you would find Michael on an airplane flying uh, with me to see my mom in uh, Northern England and reading a book called The Coming Jobs War. Collins. Jim Col- Clifton. No, Clifton. Jim Clifton. Sorry. He was the Gallup. Yep. Uh, He's the CEO of Gallup. And in that book, there was a couple of things that were very, very alarming to Michael. One was this statistic that said that 74%... American workers are disengaged at work. And the way that um, Clifton kind of explained what disengaged was, he basically said, they're sleepwalking through work. So they show up, they punch the clock, they're doing the minimal they need to do to get through the day, they're sleepwalking through work. Tie that to a statistic that says that, you know, 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years, depending on who you read and where you read, but that's a pretty standard statistic. And you kind of go, oh no. So you have all of these people who want to start a business. They have a dream. They have a vision. They, they're putting themselves out there and 80% of them are going to fail. And you got to wonder if part of that is because 74% of the people they hire are going to be disengaged at work. And we're like, huh? Ah. So this began this journey. Now add to that, um, you back up a couple of years before that. And we had been through a season where we had grown the company 400% in a matter of 18 months. Wow. And that's every entrepreneur's dream until it's not because it hurts so bad. And in the middle of that, we had, we had made some really super fast decisions. We'd hired badly. We'd just, we were just trying to keep up with the work. Um, and you know, if you read the book, you'll discover that the, the journey of growth for us was around a concept called toenail fungus. So that's a good time, good dinner conversation. And you got to explain that, by the way. You can't just leave us It's all about up. a <laughs> uh, laser. So we kind of ended up on this um, uprise of a, as a laser treatment to treat toenail fungus. And it was the first laser um, that was released to do this. And it was being sold to doctors. And we ended up with doc- podiatrists, foot doctors all over the country and in the U.K., so just this crazy growth season, we hired like crazy. We grew 400%. And in the middle of that season, Michael and I both distinctly remember just being like, don't like my company. I don't want to come to work anymore. There's tension in the office. We're not. We're frustrated. We're overwhelmed. We're working too hard. We, we didn't hire as well as we could have. People weren't a great fit for us. We weren't a great fit for them as leaders. We, um, took on clients that were jerks that felt like it was okay if they called us on a Saturday and just railed on whatever was going. I mean, it was just a really hard season. So we'd grown 400%. And then for a lot of reasons, the market kind of died that we were in. And so we came back down. And when it was all over, we like to say we grew the company 200% over the course of two and a half years. It was just a painful way to do it. (laughs) We grew 400%, dropped 50%. It was like, ba boom, ba boom. (laughs) So, um, so we walked through what it, what it felt like to be in a company that we didn't like. So, so that's kind of the, the, base. by the way, a
1: company that you guys created
2: though. Yeah. yeah the it we was created. all our fault. Like we created it cause we wanted, and we had, we had messed it up.
0: Well, and it grew and multiple things happened. It, it, it grew past our ability to keep balance. So it grew past our ability to lead well. Mm-hmm. It grew past our knowledge of how to handle finances and money. I mean, You can, when your company is under a hundred thousand or under 400,000, you know, half a million, you can run your company very successfully one way. And you can be kind of sloppy about it with a whole lot of different things from your marketing to your, your management, everything else. But as it starts to grow, and especially if it grows at that velocity, then all of a sudden you start realizing that, you know, you're not handling it. Rivets start coming off the plane while you're in the air. And you're like, oh, isn't this great? Oh, you know, now we're in a hurry and now that's going to be dangerous to us. And literally there are, there are stories because every one of our friends that was in business was repeating the stories of businesses that failed to grow too fast. Now we've kind of had this problem with two different companies because we own another company in the pet space and (laughs) in the pet rabbit space. And it has struggled with growing too fast. Also, we've kind of we've had this weird bizarre experience of companies that just grow too fast and if you're not careful that dream of well i don't you know i don't want to i don't want to take the time it's going to take to actually get somewhere safely i would like to get there faster and as business people we all want to do it and mm-hmm. we talk about the folks in silicon valley as investors you know and you've got these investors who say i want to come on and i want to i'm willing to give you money and i want to 10x my money and I want to do it in three to five years and then all of a sudden you're like well I need money to run this idea and they're willing to give me money so let's do it and everybody kind of gets into this cycle and one of the grandfathers of uh, investing in the tech market uh, the one of the venture capitalist grandfathers he wrote a book a few years ago and he was one of the guys that found the original Yahoo he found the original Google he was involved in that Um, he was on Sand Hill Road And you might know of Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley. It's kind of like that mythical place where venture capitalists in (laughs) in technology live.
2: It's also a beautiful drive. And
0: he even came out and he said, I need to put out a book because there's all these young people who are trying to get rich, basically get rich too fast. Their expectations aren't working and they're crashing and burning left and right because they're not realizing that it takes... Are you guys
1: talking about John Dewar? I I read his book, by the way. It was so impactful.
0: yeah, Yeah, it was huge. And so you're looking at this going, okay for instance, you want to get there in three to five, it's actually going to take you 10. It's actually going to take you, you're going to have more failures along the way. Be careful how you lock up your capital. Um, You better have enough capital to take advantage of the good things, so on and so forth. And it's this, it's this idea of it's pregnant in so many areas where we just want to go. If I just get myself financially set up, if we just do it, we were, we were at a workshop recently and the guy gets up and shares his story. He's married two kids and has a company and he he's really wants to talk about this idea of people being wiser. The beginning of his story is I started a company with my wife if we just and said, if we just sacrifice and just make some sacrifices for a few years, we'll be set for life. And what ended up happening is the company ended up going bankrupt. And he lost that marriage because the marriage he has now is not the one he started with yeah. because the sacrifices he gave were too much all for the idea that if we can just get over this whole work concept and we have enough money then we can do whatever we want. And in fulfilled, what we're saying is we need to think about things a little differently. It, you need to shift it because when you think about building a business, if you're building a business that's in that sweet spot of yours, like we were talking about, and you are working towards your purpose and fulfillment and you're acting wise, you're not only allowing yourself to grow a company that, that fills you with momentum, with passion on a regular basis. The passion in a, in a passion provision company is not, I'm looking for my passion, let's find something right off the bat that it just makes me feel good. It is a byproduct of doing all the right things in the right sweet spot. And all of a sudden, it's a fuel, it's an energy that's unending that continues to feed you and fuel you, and it allows you to give back and set other people up. So then you're leading. And you're raising up leaders underneath you also. It's this layer upon layer that just goes, this is just wisdom. And then if you get into a proper financial idea, you don't have to worry about retirement because what you're doing is you're creating value, as you and I have talked about. And you're creating value exponentially, really, and possibly indefinitely. And if you're really playing the long game, you're probably providing value and wealth generationally. Like this, this goes, this is something that when Catherine and I finally landed in the last period of time and we said, this book is it, we realized this is our, this is our legacy at this moment. As far as we know, anything else will build on top of it as far as we can tell, because we're saying, okay, well, we're willing to give the next 20, 30 years of our life to this because what we want to see is we want to see 10,000 business leaders find the joy of having a company that's a passionate provision company that they actually get to see start this thing that they started that had a dream and a hope for some freedom and time and freedom in finances. And probably if they're of our tribe, the desire to give back to the community in their unique way and and make their impact and and leave a positive legacy, change the world for better around them. And if that's the case, then we want to see those dreams actually come to fruition So if we do that and we do, and we, and that happens, then what happened on that plane for me on that trip to Ireland and England that year was my heart was broke for all those business owners whose dreams were falling apart and, and couldn't figure out how to do it. And my, my heart broke for all those people that were like us when we were younger, who were working for somebody else. And we just wanted a good job. And our daughter who you know graduated from college three years ago and was like, "Okay, where's she going to go work? Strangely enough, she ended up coming home to work for the company with our team, but that wasn't planned. She was going to go work somewhere else wheres our where's our daughter going to find a passion provision job so if we can help right now teach and train ten thousand leaders who are either unfamiliar with this concept at all and need to start from the ground the ground zero or are already familiar with it and buy into the idea and they want help maturing and growing and codifying and developing a passion provision company because we believe that with that you're going to impact hundreds of thousands of employees people who weren't called to start a company but they they have a life they have dreams they have a family they have a community they impact and quite frankly as we've talked about recently even more we're realizing that if we can create a, a company help people create a company that's a passion provision company, that has passion provision employees, then what happens is, is those employees go home and raise their small children. And those small children are going to watch a model of somebody, a parent who says, I love my job. I love my boss. I'm in my sweet spot. And they care if I'm in my sweet spot. And they do everything they can to develop and build me up. And I don't want to go anywhere else. And if if we by chance end up having to go somewhere else and life takes us somewhere else. I want to find another passion provision company. Well, what happens to that generation that grows up watching parents that are happy and peaceful and financially secure and, and wise and understand the value that work is something that, that isn't something that you try and avoid. It's actually when it's the right kind of work with the right framework, the right mindset, it actually gives life. It doesn't take it away. It's what we call labor, not toil.
2: Yeah, I want to chime in on that a minute because I've been thinking about where I could break in with that for... That monologue? <laughs> I,
0: whew, that was this long. Is, this is the challenge when of being I, two of us wanting to talk. I was about just about to yourself. say,
1: <laughs> you guys can have your own podcast. That, that I mentioned
2: a lot of words, right? Um, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I
1: was like, why don't you just interview yourself and I'll just I'll just be a bystander. No, well, okay. Catherine, <laughs> it's really nice to have you here today.
2: <laughs> no, that was really, really good. I think the only thing I wanted to kind of pull out and highlight about that is that so many people believe that work is a curse, that work is something you have to do to get to the weekend, right? And, and we just don't buy into that. We, like work, work is vocare, it's vocation, the Latin word is vocare, it's your calling. The, your work is your contribution to the world. So why would we not want to be in a place where, we're, where, where both ourselves and our employees are able to work in something that is their contribution, that actually brings them joy that they understand has a kind of a larger purpose and meaning than just sitting at my desk answering an email. So a lot of what we're doing in Fulfilled is we're talking about as a leader, what are the, what are the core things that you need to understand to be successful running a company? We said earlier that, you know, one of the things we ran into was um, our company outgrew our leadership skills. <laughs> like yeah. We just weren't leading well. So, we have this wheel, this holistic wheel that starts with vision in the middle. And really is this, like, if you've got to know why you're doing what you're doing and where you're going and what will change in the world if you succeed. That's kind of a simple way. It was four-part vision, concise, um, compelling, something that people can buy into and be excited to partner with you in. So vision is in the middle. And then there's five things on the outer circle. There's leadership, And so we talk about what does it look like to develop your inner game as a leader, realizing that you actually bring your whole self to the party and yourself has some broken bits and you probably ought to be paying attention to those because they're probably going to impact how you lead. So your inner game is really important. And as a leader, if you're not paying attention to your inner game, you're going to not be as good of a leader, right? So if I end up being like I'm leading out of fear because of things that have happened in my past or I'm reactive or I'm angry and I'm not dealing with my own crap, That's going to be a problem. So inner game and then the outer game of leadership, which is what people are seeing. um, Are you decisive? Are you able to to be good in relationships? Are you a good communicator? All of those skills. So we talk about that in the leadership chapter. And then we move into management and operations. You know, it's not going to be detailed because you might have a manufacturing company that's going to look different than if you are a service-based company or you're a consultant. But the point is there are systems and operations that need to be in place you need to understand your hiring process, how to hire well. Um, We're going to argue over and over again in the book that everything goes back to your values. So you hire, train, and and fire to your core values, right? Which helps you then bring people into into your company who are aligned with who you are as the leader. Really, really important. And then systems, standard operating procedures, all that stuff. So that's management and operations. And then we move into marketing and sales. And we reference some of the smartest people we know in that world um, and and ask permission to continue to pass along the things that we've learned from them in this book as a primer so we talk about marketing and sales and then we move into finance the money bit so um, how do you not be scared of the money how do you not manage your company by just do I have cash in the bank today? Yeah, <laughs> not, no not, a great, not a great way to manage your company. Been there, done that. And, um, and then also talking even about the emotional relationship that people have with money that predisposes them to, to operate out of either fear or forward thinking, depending on their, their background and how they grew up. So if somebody grew up in poverty, they're going to have yeah, a different okay. relationship to money than somebody who grew up as my friend where money grows on trees. I can, you know, access it anytime I need to. So yeah, how yeah. do you do that? And then the final chapter is culture, which is essentially how do you take everything that you're doing and make sure that you're intentionally building a culture with your team um, that, that allows them to, to feel invested, to feel well cared for, um, to understand, you know, what we're doing, where we're going and why we're doing it. So those are kind of the six core chapters. So we talk about passion and provision. We talk about the value of thinking holistically. That's the first section of the book. And then we go into the six different parts that are kind of, you know, just the model for how you build a business. Because we're kind of in that place. I mean, there are so many models out there. And we're not about to argue that we have the model for building a business. All we're going to say is, you need a model. So here's a model. Because all of us need to see a way before we can find our way. So we're just presenting a way to think bigger and think more holistically about all of the different parts of your business so that you can ultimately be successful as a leader.
1: So, so much, so much wisdom going on. A couple things that I want to point out, profit, purpose, legacy, mm-hmm. Good, the book Good to Great changed my life mm-hmm. at like 15 years old. And I so see that in there because it's like, okay, what can you be the best in the world at you yep. need to drive the economic engine but you have to like it has to be purposeful he doesn't use that language but i think he should and then level 5 leadership what is that ultimately it's leading in such a way that you can create a legacy
0: and we give um, lots of props to him in the book because yeah, his fingerprints are are all over our leadership development
1: it's just crazy how as you guys are talking i'm i'm like okay uh, EOS has probably influenced you guys. Many nope. what matters, good <laughs> to great. Like I love it. Like I, I feel so grateful that you guys are on the show. Passion provision. Or did you guys come up with that term, by the way? We yeah. did.
2: Yeah. So some people would call by it by the grace we by did. The grace. Yeah, totally. We, so it's an interesting thing. We would say, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how we actually came up with that term. We know what it's like to have to to be living in your passion, but have no money, right? We're in we'll ministry. You so. know? Yep. We're in ministry and we started a company and it took a couple of days. Yeah. Well, yeah. And
0: so, the passion provision term, the short uh, explanation on that. First of all, we're marketers, right? At, I mean, that's just kind of part of how we tick. How, how are you going to, and we're educators. And there's a great quote that basically says something to this effect. If you, if you don't know the difference if you don't know how similar education and entertainment are, you don't know anything about either yeah, because yeah. they both education and entertainment, both have to go together. So you engage the mind, you gauge people. And so we were looking for something. We were looking for what we call mouthfeel, It's got great mouthfeel. It kind of rolls off the tongue well. What I realized is we needed the provision is the term we use that you would see in a ship, a journey across the Atlantic in a ship. In the old days where you had to go to ports. And it's language that came from that because you need enough provision to make it to the next port. But you also need to have an extra because there might be everything from pirates to a storm that stops you from being able to get to the next port or a trade wind, a favorable trade wind that allows you, if you catch it, to speed ahead and make up time or go faster, which means you might skip a port. So your provision is for the needs of today and for your dreams for to build your dreams of tomorrow. That's what provision stands for for us. And we were looking for something like that. And we almost threw provision out, but we like that metaphor enough. And then passion is one of those things that I was accused of being really uh, flighty when I was younger. But what I was looking for was I was looking for my sweet spot and I had no mentors who could coach me in that area. So how do you stay true to wanting to have that thing that you love that that really calls to you that people may call passion, but on the other side of the coin, you're not flighty. The same mentor that, (laughs) <laughs> you, gonna say
2: that no, go ahead.
0: The um, same mentor that called us ha- called me half a bubble out heard me saying, somebody saying one day, Michael, you need to get your head out of the clouds. And he actually panicked when he heard it from a, a distance, came over and interjected in the conversation. He says, I don't want you to take your head out of the clouds. I just want you to put your feet on the f- ground at the same time.
1: Yeah. I always think the same like, thing is. Yeah. And how is, do you do that? Go yeah, ahead. And, There is a, there's definitely, there's a lot of people in one of, one of two camps. I think there's very, very rare to get people on like in the clouds and in the dirt.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: because let's be honest, there's a lot of passionate people that are broke and have no impact because they're broke. Totally. Vice versa. There's people that have money that go like, dude, what are you, what's your deal? Like, why are you, are you just literally in business so that you can have more money? It's super evident that they have no passion."
2: Well, and what's interesting too yeah, is part of the yeah. reason we chose the word passion. And I, Michael, will tell you we don't talk about it much anymore. But I fought with the word passion. Like I, I was like, I it. hate this word because everyone's like, you got to find your passion. And yeah, usually, yeah. what they mean by that is is what leads to I'm doing something I like, but I can't make any money at it. Or depending on the personality type you are, like passion. I don't like.
0: It's very flighty. I, it's or-
2: really flighty, and it doesn't it it doesn't feel grounded. Yeah. So what we did was we we kept digging into this word and and as as we've unpacked more and more of what do we mean by passion, it is mm. not that flighty thing that is like, I want to chase my passion. Yeah. It's it's finding your sweet spot, your contribution, working in it 51% or more of the time so that you're actually fulfilled at your job. When it comes to creating your vision, your like everything that you're doing, passion is the thing that you're willing to sacrifice for. Yeah. So we will say in the book, if, if you are chasing a passion, in quotes, but you're not willing to sacrifice for it, we'd argue it's not your passion. You take very profound uses of the word, like the passion of the Christ. Yeah. Okay, now we're talking passion, right? Yeah. Now we're talking, he set his face toward Jerusalem. Like he was going there no matter what. Now we're talking for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So that the passion of the Christ becomes that thing that's like, "Oh, now I get it. OK, I'm a, I, I have a New Testament theology degree, so now I'm, now we're in my sweet spot. So you, you move passion into that kind of a concept, and then I'm on board, because it is that thing that you're willing to sacrifice for, that you know you're going to give your life yeah. for, and that you're driving towards. So that when we talk passion and provision, we're talking passion more in that. World than we are in the. I'm just gonna chase my passion.
1: Please, please, please support this book launch. And I, I want. I love what you guys are doing. And and you guys drop so many value bombs. I also, if you're listening to this, like stay tuned to what's to come. I'm telling you guys right now what we're building and what you guys just articulated. We need to be doing more together to share this because we're talking about the same things in different capacities. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Where can people get your book, number one? And then I
0: have one last question that I want to end this with. So fulfilledthebook.com is the website for the book. You'll be able to find the the link and everything about us and the book and a link there to purchase the book. Uh, We are selling the book the week after there, but if you go there now, there'll be a link to Amazon. You go to Amazon for the very first week, we're offering the Kindle at 99 cents. Perfect. For anybody who wants it, uh, we would love to get it in as many hands as possible. We're doing what we can to make that happen.
1: And for someone who has written a book, it would mean the world if you not just got the book. The money's not really important, but reviews are everything. Huge. Yes, you, can, you can get the book and um, just help get that word out. That would be huge. We'll put, the, we'll put that in the show notes as well.
2: Awesome. And
1: um, guys, thank you so much. I want to end on a last question that I ask all of our guests. Okay. It's actually the legacy question. If this was your last day on earth and you are with the people that you love the most, your family, people that have really poured into your life, and you could share with them one idea through one conversation, what would that conversation be?
0: You first.
2: <laughs> I think we just had it. I know. And that's
1: the thing. It's like <laughs> hey, I read, I wrote this book. I know. I need uh, you to read it twice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think I mean, I think for me it's you have a contribution to make to the world. Be intentional about it. Figure out what it is and be intentional about it. And figure out what it is, is not sit, sit there twiddling your thumbs going, what is my contribution? What should I be doing? Start doing stuff and discover your contribution, <laughs> right? Discover what makes you tick and just keep moving forward. Um, I would have never, ever, ever dreamed that I would be running a business with my husband, I was going to be in full-time ministry. That was my shindig. And I, I cannot tell you how much I love doing what we're doing, but I I had to, I had to discover my way into it. So, um, Mm. so be intentional and, and discover your way into your best contribution.
0: Today was my last day. Uh, I am happy to be able to say, I would not share any new piece of information. I don't, there's nothing new I need to share. It's, this has been my life I've loved hopefully I've loved you well. Find your thing, love God, love others and just remember how we've done that as a as a family and as friends over the last whatever period it's been and do it better than I did it
1: Guys, I love you both. I love your message and unbelievably I feel fulfilled right now um, and it's because I'm on this journey and you guys articulated so many things that I think I've, some of it has been intuitive and some of it has been like growing pains yeah. time, setting things up. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see you guys get this message out and I'm excited to support you. Um, and also I know that our community is super supportive and I'm excited for us to show up and, and help you guys get to some best sellers.
0: Well, you. we really appreciate it. This has been fun and whatever we can do to help you.
1: Thanks guys. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.